All right, we are live for the Friday edition of the Mike and Mario Show. Uh, back at it one more time and excited to connect as always, Mario. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mike, and you? I'm doing good. Let me uh, let me cut off my. Uh, <laughs> I hear myself. I got a little bit of a here. Give me one second here. Let me figure out where I'm streaming at. But other than that, I'm doing fine. Excited to be back as always, man. Looking yeah. forward to connecting with you. Lots of things unfolding as always, and I can't seem to find where. I'm straight where, where the audio is coming from on my end. And so, uh, let me see. I had to mute. Give me one second. Last minute difficulties as always. Let me see if I can figure out where this audio is coming from. But Goon everything is, is going well, man. Everything's going well. Excited to Goon speak. Goon is asking why I don't have a British accent. Uh, well, because I'm originally from Brazil and I went to university in the States. I've been here for over 30 years, but, uh, I haven't really lost my accent, so that's why. Yeah, and you and you speak how many languages again? About five, I think. Yeah, uh, Portuguese, French, English, German, a bit of German, and, and Italian. Yeah. yeah, I speak two English and Spanglish. <laughs> my Spanish ain't all that good, but I can understand better. I can communicate. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the Western education system. Um, okay, so let's dive right in. So hope everyone's doing well. As always, for those who are plugged in, definitely hit the thumbs up button, show your support for the channels, and uh, feel free uh, to throw out some thoughts, ideas, suggestions. When we get to the Q and A portion, we'll definitely try to jump on those as best as we can. But we have a lot of articles here, and the goal is to try to get through all of them, share our two cents on them, try to make sense of what's happening, and uh, yeah, just continue to encourage people to uh, yeah really pay attention as. The clock is ticking. Things are unwinding. So the first article, let's jump into this, man. Um, the BRICS, of course, the BRICS is going to be a primary topic moving forward for the next several weeks. And so as of now, the last time we spoke, uh, the primary headlines mentioned 19 countries. And so all of a sudden, to, as of today or yesterday, uh, this article mentioned 20 countries and the full list I haven't been able to find. But yet we're going to find out more as we move ahead. And what is most interesting is this little visual that I put together here. Uh, and of course, it's not official yet, but it's something to play around with just because it doesn't surprise me one bit. Because we were talking about a possible G7 nation, which one would be, which one it would be. And it looks like it might be perhaps France wanting to hold hands with the BRICS these days. And so I thought this is just a good way to kick things off. But this is piggybacking on this article here. All right, why Emmanuel Macron wants to go to the BRICS summit in South Africa. And so, of course, I have my suspicions and thoughts about that. I'm sure you do as well. But what was the first thing that came to your mind when you saw this headline? Well, first of all, I, I saw another uh, story a, a few days ago, and it wasn't official. They're still asking for confirmation. So we have to take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me if the French were trying to hedge their bets. Uh, the French have always been pretty uh, – uh, they look, they've looked after their interests uh, quite a bit. You know, they will do whatever it takes to uh, look after their interests. They were against the war in Iraq in mm -hmm. 2003. And uh, that's where the term, you know, cheese eating surrender monkeys came from. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> looking back, they did the right thing because that was an illegal war. And the other thing that, uh, in my opinion, if this is true and Macron mm -hmm. is going to attend the BRICS summit, I think it's in August in South Africa, um, that would be really significant. It would be almost akin to when the French started 
asking the U.S. Treasury for gold back in the late 60s, early 70s. And that led to a run on the Treasury's gold. The British mm. started asking for their gold. And then Nixon uh, defaulted. He closed the gold window temporarily, and it's still closed you know, 52 years later. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it could be, uh, it's a little different, but it could be, it could really be uh, something significant that a, a Western country uh, is looking into the BRICS. Yeah, yeah. And, and to, to piggyback on that more, just reading through this article here, uh, it looks like the, the initial request that was sent by uh, the French government to put out a filler for Macron being able to uh, attend the summit, it caught South Africa by surprise to where uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, their leader there, I guess had to go back and check with his counterparts to see what their thoughts would be about having Macron attend. And as of right now, it says something about keeping it politically correct. They didn't say no, they say yes. They just said that we'll try to we'll we'll try to figure this out or something like that. And so I'll, I bet it, it caught them by surprise because my suspicion is that. You know, like, like you mentioned, like it could be it could be the door opener for more bigger, bigger, more big, bigger countries to want to join, similar to how the gold rush started back in the day, which could be a genuine movement on his part. Or it could be him being used as a, a, a Trojan horse, sort of say, to infiltrate the BRICS meetings, to kind of spy things out, to see what's happening behind the scenes outside of what we already suspect and already know. So it could go either way, but it is a definite it is a definite shock. Now, yeah. in, in your regards there, if France really does attend this summit, if they get invited, if he gets invited and he does go, will that give more of the G7 countries the confidence to want to also pursue and consider it as well to where this could be the flood opening up to where more nations decide to join? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, uh, one other country I guess we, we could uh, see lean towards the BRICS is uh, Italy because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of Chinese investment in Italy. So, yeah, you couldn't put... I wouldn't put it past them either. So uh, France and then Italy. Uh, and there were rumors a few months ago that the UK wanted to join BRICS, but mm-hmm. somehow I don't see that happening right now. So yeah, that's um, we'll have to see. I mean, I think that summit starts in August, so just yeah. uh, over six weeks or so. Yeah. So definitely between now and there, we're going to hear more information about other countries. And so speaking of other countries wanting to join. And so let me just share with you a couple more things. So Bangladesh uh, wants to join as well. And so it just gives a little bit of good demographics about the trade and things of that nature. And then we have officially Egypt. We all suspected it because it was rumors floating out there. But officially Egypt has applied to join the BRICS. So more and more nations are joining on top of the 20 that are on the, on the fence as well. So time will tell how where this goes. But this definitely doesn't fare well for the current our current monetary structure all centered around the dollar because all these countries are looking to make these changes so that they can provide options for themselves other than just the primary one they have. So, um, yeah, so piggyback even more. So here's just another little headline here uh, of events unfolding right now where people are looking for options and alternatives. And so the Asian clearing union to reportedly launch swift alternative in this month amid uh, accelerating de-dollarization push. So, there's about nine nations or nine nations or so of which two or three, as you mentioned, are fairly large and the other ones are really relatively small. But once again, they're trying to diversify themselves. And it looks like a lot of these articles I read talk about or that they're using sanctions as one of the driving forces to want to 
uh, I guess, make these changes out of fear of the backlash from the Western hemisphere in reference to the dollar. And so this officially, I guess, launches this month. And so this is one of many other events unfolding, but does it surprise you one bit? Uh, no. And, uh, some, uh, the other argument from the, uh, dollar milkshake guys is that these countries are small and significant, but when you keep adding them up, I think there's like a, there's an experiment or something that, uh, like, uh, if you start, uh, letting a, a drop of water into a stadium at a certain mm-hmm. rate, it's yeah. very slow, but at one point it just like floods the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what this is all about. All these countries, we're up to 20 right now, and that number is probably going to grow a lot more. Uh, that's going to take a, a lot of, uh, withdraw a lot of demand for treasuries. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know that in the next 10 years, the national debt is probably going to go over 50, maybe even 60 trillion. So who's mm-hmm. going to be buying that? Uh, well, the only way to attract a domestic investors or even foreign investors is higher rates. So that's yeah. not going to help. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's where we are. And, um, I expect them to continue to buy gold as well, like they did last year. Yeah. As you're talking about throwing out a large number about, you know, who's going to buy that. And I'm, the first thing that came to mind is the Fed's balance sheet. <laughs> Cause I remember, uh, Jerome Powell mentioned it several years ago talking about, you know, what, what's too high? What's too much for the Fed's balance sheet? And he made it seem as if like we haven't even seen how high it could go if, 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 if need be. So I'm thinking like, wow, like, you know, yeah, that wouldn't be good for the dollar itself, but that's surprising one bit. 20 trillion. Cool. I mean, and, but the thing is, uh, Powell, I think he was asked recently or I don't know exactly when about mm-hmm. that. For, and he said the, the Fed is not prepared to uh, just finance all this debt. But I think he said that just uh, to make make him sound tough. But when push comes to shove, they, they probably have to do it. And maybe you want to look at the Fed's balance sheet now. <laughs> yeah, talk about the Fed's balance sheet because uh, I've noticed that since uh, middle of February, uh, the balance sheet has gone nowhere in terms of uh, if you move your uh, – yeah, the level we're now at, 83 uh, – 8388s, so that's 8 mm-hmm. trillion, uh, 388 uh, billion. It's the same, pretty much the same level if you go to the left to mm-hmm. middle of February. Uh, yeah, you see, it hasn't really yeah. changed. We, we've gone up, we've gone up about 4 billion in, in the uh-huh. last four months, uh, <laughs> net net. So the, the Fed is not really tightening there. So, yeah. um, and then I, I've looked as well at the uh, balance sheet of the Bank of England. Uh, they mm-hmm. don't have uh, charts like that. this. They're not as transparent. But yeah. I wrote down some numbers back in December, uh, December 18th, 2019. And, and why that date? Well, because that was just before 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, uh, the Bank of England had 444 billion, in QE assets. Uh, and now it still has 823 billion pounds. And, uh, the top was like around the end of 2021 where they had 8.9, 894 billion. So their balance sheet is still up 85% since, uh, before 2020. And that's why I think we still have high 
high prices, what people call inflation in the UK. They printed so much money and the Bank of England forgets that we don't have the major reserve currency. So people are not going to demand pounds as much as dollars. It's one of the reasons why the Fed is able to do so much QE is because Mm -hmm. it's still got the major reserve currency. And I think that's why the UK has got uh, an inflation or price problem, and it's not going to stop. Um, yeah, so yeah. I sent you this here. <laughs> when I saw 13, I'm like, wow, that's that's serious. But then I'm like, how in the world is the U.S. 2.4? And this is according to Trueflation and how they measure their measurements. But I'm thinking, like, wow, like double digits for real. That's serious. <laughs> well, the U.K. is fairly uh, accurate, I would say, because the RPI is trade is around that level, the retail price mm-hmm. index. Yeah. Yeah, but the U.S. one at 2.4, maybe that's a core. I don't think that's very uh, reflective of how much prices are rising in the U.S. I mean, you could not at all, not at all. But it's just interesting how, once again, they can throw out a number and everybody runs with it and we're expected to just accept it and just move on with our business. And they're telling us that things are getting better. (laughs) But in actuality, we know they're not. Uh, what else? Okay, so for those who are checking in, definitely hit the thumbs up button, show your support for the channel. Uh, we're going to get to the Q&A after we get through a couple more headlines here. But uh, let's talk about, okay, so there's lots of things to talk about. So were you surprised by this past week's pause? And is this pause, this is, you know, is, this, is that pause the signal to the upcoming pivot? Because they let it, they let us to believe that there's still going to be some more hikes on the table, but then why even bother to pause if if, our, if, if all the indicators are already lagging behind? So, what, what are you thinking about that? What was your thoughts? So, yeah, we're talking for those who don't know about the pause. It's the Fed Fed's pause because yeah. of uh, raising rates. So it's been a bit of a gradual uh, gradual move because if you remember well, they they were raising rates by 50 basis points, then they went down to 25, and now they've paused. But at the same time, they wanted to seem tough, and they said, uh, Powell said that the uh, for the July meeting, which must be towards the end of July, he said that 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 it's a live meeting, which means that they could raise rates. But um, yeah, I think they they don't really know what's going on, and they are concerned about things, and that's why they pause. But at the same time, they're trying to tell the markets uh, that they want to be tough, mm-hmm. but. I know it hasn't translated into much higher gold and silver prices, but I've noticed the dollar versus the fiat currencies is dropping quite sharply. So I would expect that, yeah, it could be the first sign of a pivot, but at the same time, they keep saying, oh, we could raise rates again. We're going to stay elevated for a long time, but I could see a major crisis again in the next six months like we saw in march with the yeah. uh with the banks yeah line you sent me about uh just a month a month data uh is a distraction from the real indicators which so that you know there's already extreme recessionary pressures going on now and this could be a part of why they decided to come out with this you know this so-called pause on their part just because they're not wanting to admit that things are as bad as they really are and so what better way to, to cover that up by saying that we're going to pause and reassess and just see how things go from here because we're on we're, we're making good progress with our with our objectives of bringing inflation down. And then they come out with some bogus figures at four percent as if like that. People really believe that. So, yeah. So here's just a little headline here that you mentioned. And it talks about just uh, when you hear the unemployment, you know, it's taken up. 
And of course, uh, retail sales is, you know, trending down and the overall ISM and stuff like that is, you know, not really showing anything of confidence as well. So everything points to a recession and factor in what's happening in Europe as well. So like, you know, the U S is right behind the, uh, the Europe with the recessionary stuff. So what do you, what do you else you think about this? Yeah. Um, jobless claims came out yesterday. It was at 262,000 weekly jobless claims. And, uh, Earlier this year and last year, it got below 200, which is quite healthy for the the labor market. But you have to go if you strip out what happened during the lockdowns because it distorted all the numbers. If you go mm-hmm. back before lockdown, the levels we're at now, uh, we haven't seen that since 2017. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's significant that uh, jobless claims is uh, they're rising. And I think uh, the uh, economy uh, is definitely slowing down, even though we hear from the Fed and politicians and uh, economists on Wall Street that they expect a soft landing and everything's going to be fine. But um, I think that the problem is the debt. There's so much debt, and that's going to uh, crowd out the private sector. And by debt, I mean the, the government debt and, and even uh Corporate and uh, personal, you know, household debt, I, I think it's just gone over a hundred trillion in the U.S. And, and I also noticed that uh, if you go on the U.S. debt clock, yeah, that, that's the first time it's gone over a hundred trillion. Uh, unfunded liabilities uh, is jumped like three and a half trillion in the last two weeks. <laughs> uh, so that, that's what's going to hurt the economy, I think, because yeah, uh, yeah it's just the debt is growing. Yeah, if you look there, uh, right in the, right there, a hundred trillion five hundred twenty-seven billion. It's right, uh, middle oh, yeah. left. Middle yeah. left. Yeah, and then the unfunded yeah. liabilities. I think it was around a hundred eighty-eight, uh, about twelve two weeks ago, and now it's a hundred ninety-one trillion. So yeah. you add that to the uh, total debt, you know, that's almost uh, three hundred trillion, and, and you look at the GDP. It's 26 trillion, so it's more than more than t- unfunded liabilities plus debt. It's more than 10 times the economy. It, I, I guess uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's akin to someone earning a hundred thousand dollars and having um, you know a, a million a million dollar mortgage or a million yeah. dollar in debt. Uh, if they lose that job, they're in trouble. Yeah, it's, it's, you're, you're in trouble if you don't got a printing press or access to a couple key uh, yeah. some digits on a keyboard that you can transfer and move uh, liabilities around. <laughs> um, yeah. And speaking of which, uh, you mentioned uh, the possibility of a, another event within the next six months. And I think one event that everyone is paying attention to more and more is the commercial real estate, just because more people are deciding to um, hold off on paying for some of those debt liabilities that they are not uh, – able to take care of and manage anymore. So here's just something for headlines that regional banks scramble to unload commercial real estate loans, fearing a new crisis. And so this is uh, something that is sweeping through our country here. And to show you how bad it is, here's a little headline from a week ago, but this is just something that made headlines because of how large this is, but it says owner of two San Francisco largest hotels, Hilton union square and park 55 stops paying payments up on 725 million loan due in November because the crime ridden city path, Recovery remains clouded. So you got him walking away from major real estate properties and yeah. he's not the only one. So 
There's one here in the UK I, I saw this week. It's in Canary Wharf, which is like the financial, one of the financial dr- districts in London. And it's, uh, the address is 20 Churchill Place, Canary mm-hmm. Wharf. And I think it was a Hong Kong uh, conglomerate, like Hong Kong businessman bought it in 2017 for mm-hmm. 410 million pounds. And he's defaulted on it. And, and now Lloyds Bank is trying to sell it on to pay the mortgage. And they put it on the market for 250 million pounds. So the guy bought it, you know, and the mortgage is 265 million. So, yeah, it's happening here, too, um, the commercial real estate. And I think also the residential real estate here, mortgages are zooming up, which is uh, not a good thing. And, um, yeah, right now, as we speak, you know, uh, the two-year uh, guilt yield is almost at 5%. So I, I think we could uh, reach 6%. And, and in the UK, uh, we don't have a 30-year fixed mortgage. Uh, most people do it for two or five years, very yeah. few for 10 years. So there's a, about over, a, a, I think, 1.4 million mortgages coming for renewal this year. So it's going to be a big problem as well in the residential area. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing about what's coming due, like with the commercial real estate here, you know, 1.5 trillion, 1.5 trillion of commercial real estate property debt that will be due for payment in the next 18 months. So this is going to be, uh, yeah, this, this could be something major. Of course, the banks have to see this. Federal Reserve have to have to see this. They know what's at stake here. And so I, I saw something about, I should have grabbed it, but, uh, uh, Fed Waller talked about, uh, about, about having the, they can they can always create the tools needed to kind of oh, backstop and help out with these. Uh, by, tool, by tool, he means cash, right? Yeah, ultimately, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you could show that. I don't know. Have you showed that chart of the Fed's uh, BTFP program? Uh, uh, so let me. Okay, this. Okay. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's okay. BTFP. That, that's the uh, bank term financing uh, P, whatever it is. That's new tool. You know, yeah, that's when uh, SVB went bust. You see, uh-huh. they're, they're bailing out the regional banks. And regional banks, I think they have 60 to 70% uh, of all the uh, commercial real estate loans. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's still, they're not, still not out of the woods, these banks. Right, right. So ultimately speaking, the banks are still looking to take advantage of this emergency lending facility because they're having issues on the back end. And so right now on the mainstream news, the banking sector is it's calm, it's cool, collective, it's not being talked about. But these charts show here that they're still scrambling for funds to prop themselves yeah. up. So yeah, ain't no tightening here. It's still expansion. <laughs> yeah. Uh what else? So okay, got so we got Okay, let's get some questions then. Yeah, because I've I've seen some questions here and um, just wanted to uh, highlight highlight yeah. at Manico 64 or at Rethinking a Dollar sort of stand yeah. out and then I can yeah. grab it. I mean, uh, first, I want to thank John Lord for a super chat. He says, good evening, Mike and Mario. Looking forward to another great episode. Um, uh, great work, guys. Much appreciated. And, and William MCPD, he's asking about platinum. Do you have any view uh, on the platinum market? Me personally, I I, I haven't I haven't uh, yeah. ventured into the platinum scene, 
but yeah, then again, I know it is uh, highly favored by a lot of people, and it's obviously it's doing quite well. Yeah. Market is less uh, spoofed than the gold and silver market. So, yeah, yeah. anything precious and real, get a hold of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, recently uh, platinum broke out of a strong resistance, and I think it went up uh, above eleven hundred dollars, and now it's come back down to just uh, around the thousands. Uh, I still think it's a good metal to have. It's a precious metal. It's also a industrial commodity, and um, yeah, I'm, I still favor commodities. So what it looks like technically has happened here. It's uh, it broke out and it's come back to retest the breakout. That's how I see it. I don't have any platinum though. Uh, I, I stick to gold and silver in terms of precious metals. And we've yeah. got quite a question from Low Blood Pressure. Uh, he asked me, uh, where's my next vacation? Am I going back to Italy? Uh, well, low blood pressure. Uh, yeah, there, I don't know if you've seen it there. Uh, not uh, going to Italy this year. We're going to have a vacation in, in England. We, they call it a staycation. And why? Well, because, uh, it's easier to travel, uh, in this country with Rudy. You know, uh, Rudy's still a, a, a puppy. So, we, we booked a hotel where you can take dogs, which is nice. So uh, we're going to do a staycation. All right. Here's a question from UK. I'm going to get, I'm gonna try to get caught up with the questions. Uh, it says, UK yeah. Financial says, what do, you, what do you both think of this possible European bank hack that is due today? <sighs> I, I've seen some videos. I've saw, you know, uh, some thought. I've seen people comment on it. Once again, like, I... I it's one of the things until it happens, it's, it's, it's all just, we're all guessing. Nobody knows for sure. So I, yeah, at this current moment, everybody who's tuned in, you know, not to have more than you're willing to lose in the hands of somebody else at this current time, just because there's no promises, no guarantees and doing reset type of environments. There are no, no promises may not be fulfilled. So that's my thought yeah. on it. But what do you think? I, I don't know what I haven't heard of this story. Which European bank exactly is that? No, so there's uh, reports out here, especially on Twitter, uh, of some. I think I think it's a pro-Russian hacker. So I, I saw three different entities saying that in 48 hours they're going to bring down the European banking system, and then it's going to trickle over to the SWIFT system. Then it's going to go here to the U.S. banking system. And so, other than this little spooky video out there, that was what people are referring to, what I seen, and people circulated, retweeted every, everywhere. And I'm assuming that's what they're using as oh, the. Well, primary if, focus of this, this stuff. If you guys have been stacking, uh, you shouldn't be worried about it. And if you don't keep too much fiat, uh, currency in the bank, you know, uh, that's why we do it. Uh, but I, I don't know if this is true or if it's just, uh, scaremongering. Uh, so Jimmy right. Mendy said something here in French. He says, Macron, le dernier espoir du vieux continent. He says, Macron is the best hope for the old continent. So that's how he said that in French. Anyway. Yeah, I don't see that. <laughs> okay, so here's a super chat here. It says the thunder sound says, see California and Florida homeowners insurance market uh, dropping uh, policies and raising premiums like crazy. The insurance will be unaffordable before my, the mortgage, but the insurance is, the insurance, what the insurance uh, ISA requirements for a mortgage, but the insurance ISA requirement for a mortgage. Homeowner insurance market dropping policies. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure about Florida. I saw that. I think state auto, auto, state auto, and there's been one or two insurance carriers in California that decide to 
not accept any new policies moving forward due to the climate concerns and stuff like that. But I know Florida was on our same mm-hmm. on our same kick there. But it doesn't surprise me because yeah. and what we're witnessing right now, in my opinion, is the merger of the public private partnerships between the World Economic Forum and governments and private entities. They're literally collaborating in real time with this woke stuff. And so it doesn't surprise me whatsoever when you see all this all this foolishness and craziness happening right now. And especially when it comes to insurance, because that's another way for them to take away property rights at somehow, some way by making it unaffordable. And so don't be surprised one bit. Low blood pressure has a question here uh, on my chat. Who sells okay. the coma silver contracts to an individual uh, who who's on the other side? Well, uh, you could uh, low blood pressure. You could uh, have an account with a futures broker and sell uh, silver futures. And then someone on the other side, it could be uh, J.P. Morgan, it could be another uh, retail investor. They they buy the long position, and uh, you have until a certain date uh, to get out of the 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 front month. Uh, I think right now, what's the? It's probably a July future. So if you don't get out of your position by by uh, July, you could be called upon to deliver the silver. So that's how it works. Anyone can trade on, on COMEX. It's just a matter of uh, rolling to the next month uh, the futures. That's how they do it. You see, uh, let's say JP Morgan sells a 1,000 silver futures for July. Uh, when the 1st of July comes, before that, they'll just roll until the September contract. That's how it works. So they, they, so they don't have to deliver or... And the long position as well. A lot of people go long silver because they just want to have exposure to the price. So they make sure as well that uh, they roll over their position to the September when when the delivery date starts uh, for July. So how do yeah. they roll it? Well, let's say I'm long 100 silver futures, uh, July silver futures. So before the end of June, I will sell of the 100 uh, July and by 100 September. So you roll over. So that's how they keep the game going. They they keep rolling that. And there's very little uh, delivery of actual metal. And that's how they play the game and they influence the price. And, and that's why that's how they can that's how they can throw thousands of, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of tons into the market. And they just uh, keep uh, rolling it. Yeah. Now, now I don't follow the futures market much at all, but you know, I guess a lot of this started off with being able to manipulate things in in hopes of just having exposure to the markets. But now, is isn't it the case where people are wanting more more physical possession of some of these contracts now? So that yeah. it's kind of like a flipping yeah. what's of yeah. somewhat. Yeah. I mean, the Comex, uh, gold and silver, and all other contracts as well. These futures exchanges. They don't like people taking uh, delivery, not just mm-hmm. of gold and silver, but also of treasury bonds because they're treasury futures of oil futures. They just want people to keep rolling. It, it just sets the price, and that's how they get away with it. But um, I, I think in the in China, on their exchanges, uh, if you're trading uh, silver or gold, you have to show that you are a commercial entity that has actually a physical metal behind it. So, yeah, that's how it works. I mean, I, I don't follow too much the futures market anymore, but I, I was a futures broker for, for 20 years, so I know how it works. Yeah. 
Good deal. Uh, let me see. Here. Let's see, I missed some questions here. Uh, or, let me see if you see something. Uh, uh, what is it? Okay, here's uh, what is it? What is it? it says Roth says, uh, what is it? What is that called when uh, corporations merge with the state? <laughs> Fascism. <laughs> yeah, cor- corruption at its highest form. <laughs> oh man. Uh, or, what else you got? Here? Crony. Crony capitalism. Crony capitalism, yeah. Uh, what else? Anything else? Let me see. What else is happening out here? Any other questions? We, did we cover all our topics, our article, articles? Uh, uh, let me see. Did we grab it? Oh, no. Here's oh, here's another. And it, and so that the RFK. Oh, yeah. That's um, really interesting. Uh, yeah. That's very interesting. The fact that he said that. Yeah. I, didn't see, I didn't see the interview, but uh, the well, fact that he's concerned clip. with his life. A, <laughs> but, yeah, there's a clip there on someone put just that part. And uh, it's it's interesting, you know. He said that uh, he knows that uh, you know he could could be in trouble, and he he's not afraid of it. He's not afraid of getting killed by the CIA. So I've never seen a politician say that, you know. Yeah. Because I, I think Trump wanted to do a lot more, but he didn't because you know he was threatened probably. Yeah. And on top of that, he's not really a politician. You know, he, he's a lawyer, no. so he's well, attempting to enter into that realm and he knows yeah. what's at stake. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's interesting what he said that about his uncle is that mm-hmm. uh, he was there at the inauguration. He was six years old. And mm-hmm. uh, two days before, President Eisenhower gave that famous speech about not allowing the military industrial complex to grow too mm-hmm. much the threat of the military industrial complex complex. Mm-hmm. So he, he said that, um, his uncle, uh, wanted all the troops, all the advisors to come home from Vietnam because mm-hmm. there were 75 dead Americans in 1963. And he said, that's too many. So he said, we're going to bring all Americans home from Vietnam mm-hmm. by the uh, beginning of 1965. And he said one month later, they, uh, Canceled his contract. They, yeah, Dal- Dallas, November twenty second. Elm, Elm Nightmare, uh, Elm Street, wasn't it? That's so. He, his limo was being driven down Elm Street. Yeah. Now, that's why so the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and so, for me, that's more than enough proof to, to 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 go. If you try to go against the establishment, whatever whatever it's called, you know, if you really 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 try to stand up and make change. Things like that happen. And that's why I'm concerned with our political season. Like nobody is really talking to that yeah. level of type of change. They want to make things great, yada, yada. But systemic change is much harder to accomplish. He, he said that the CIA is the instrument of the military industrial complex to foment all the chaos and the wars mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. keep them making loads of money. And have you noticed that, I mean, the last war the U.S. won was World War II. The U.S. doesn't fight wars anymore to win. They just fight wars to uh, they, to make they money. Start them, make money. They start them and prolong them for their own interests, and yeah. they steal the resources. And yeah, well, and, and then the military-industrial complex makes trillions as well. I mean, Afghanistan, twenty-year war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know we know better for it. <laughs> and then China swoops in and try to make peace and re, re, redo the country. <laughs> Uh, what else? Ridiculous. Uh, no more. I don't see any questions. Let me see here. World uh, is fighting uh, back. Local pressure is saying, uh, will RFK Jr. bring back the silver certificate? I, I'm not sure. Uh, but one thing about 
the Federal Reserve, because JFK, um, after uh, they tried the Bay of Pigs invasion, and he refused to send U.S. troops to help, uh, mm-hmm. he wanted to get rid of the CIA. And I think the financing arm of the CIA is the Federal Reserve. So, yeah. Uh, so that's wishful thinking there, but you know, like, you think, uh, silver. Period. You don't need certificates, uh, low blood pressure. You just right. need, uh, you know, constitutional silver coins to circulate. That's the best thing, I would say. No right. paper. It'd be good for a candidate to talk about gold and silver as a part of his platform moving forward. The importance of having it, encouraging Americans right now to go out and get some as an insurance against all the craziness and the Federal Reserve, like that'll be some talk that I would really get behind because mm. that's right in alignment with what I'm already trying to preach my dang self. So, but of course we're talking about a gold back, uh, a gold back, uh, currency. That's what we're talking about, you know, or making Bitcoin legal tender. <laughs> well, I, I think I heard, uh, RFK Jr. speaking about I think he was on Twitter with uh, Elon Musk, mm-hmm. and he said he mentioned his, that his uncle wanted to bring back, you know, the silver certificates mm-hmm. and, and even gold certificates, which I didn't know about. But mm-hmm. maybe he knows more than I do. Of course, he was closer to the his uncle, and, and he said that he wanted to do that so that the Fed couldn't manipulate things as they do with fiat currency. So I, I really think he's aware of gold and silver. And how important it is. So even Trump, prior to him running for president back in the day, was a gold guy. Talked about how they're destroying the dollar, yada, yada, yada. Then he gets in, becomes president. Now his lingo changes. He wants to, you know, to ease more and print more and do this more. And so it's like, okay, one thing before and one thing after when you get in. So that's one of my concerns is once you get inside and you realize everybody around you, you know, your advisors are all part of the banking cartel and the things of that nature. It's like, okay, you can only do so much before you're outnumbered. And so we guess, all know uh, presidents don't really run things. Go ahead. Even RFK Jr. then could have the same problem if you were to get elected. Correct, correct, correct. You can start off well with good intentions, but you get in and realize you'll get you'll be against a big monster, and that's all she wrote. And one by one, things change. It says, if we are all slaves to the note, does that mean the Federal Reserve are slave owners? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't yeah. say Federal Reserve. I would say that the central banking model in of itself is a debt-based slavery-style system that mm. uses... National currency, it, it, it's, it, it's been, they've, they privatize mon- uh, lo- uh, national currencies uh, at their own, ex- at our expense for their benefit. And yeah, they, governments are subjected to it as well. Go ahead. The slave owners are the, you know, the uh, people who own and control the uh, central banks, the mm-hmm. very wealthy, multi-generational uh, European and American families that have been around for hundreds of years. You know that own a lot of land. They're right. they're the slaveholders, right? Yeah, we all know who those families are or who they could be. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right, we're about that forty minute mark. Um, what we got coming up? Uh, anything else happening for the rest of this month or next between now and next week that you're aware of? That's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, yeah um, on Thursday we have the Bank of England meeting. Uh, they are expected to raise rates because we we have a. <laughs> Our uh, CPI or prices, I, I hate saying inflation because it's not really inflation, it's price rises. It's still out of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's on Thursday. So that would be interesting to, to look at. But, uh, yeah, nothing really that I'm aware of. 
uh, in the next week. But uh, yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So other than that, so real quick, just for for uh, just for those who may not, because I was talking about this the other day, uh, outside the BRICS summits, uh, there is another summit taking place right now as we speak. And it happens to be the St. Petersburg uh, International Economic Forum. And just real quick, I want to highlight something. I was thumbing through this and four of their primary themes for this conference. And so it ends tomorrow. And the first one on here, let me just bring this up. It says the first theme is, quote, the economic order responding to the challenges of the time. And it talks about uh, the government's decision, including remaining inter- interconnected between the SCO, the BRICS and the EAEU. And uh, the sessions participants note that a new system of international settlements on both bilateral and multilateral basis should be created at a matter of priority. So they're right now talking about alternatives as well. So yeah. they're talking about that right now at St. Petersburg's in Russia. So that's something to be aware of. And then also yeah. we have uh, the World Economic Forum. Their meeting is at the end of this month. And they're talking about the changes they're trying to bring to the world are not so good way. So everybody's meeting these days. So <laughs> uh, going uh, back to the SPIF conference in uh, St. Petersburg, uh, that's yeah. where uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, I think it was in 2021, he made mm-hmm. a speech there. He always makes a uh, a speech at SPIF. And, and he said that uh, the dollar uh, was based on mythical values and the whole system was uh you know, not sustainable, the fiat currency system. And and I think that's the way the, I'm not saying the BRICs are perfect. <laughs> I'm not telling you to invest in those BRIC countries, but I, I think they're trying to move away from this uh, fiat currency uh, speculative system that we have, because yeah. a, a lot of these BRIC countries, uh, they, uh, they have a lot of natural resources. Uh, they want to develop their economy. Uh, they don't want to, to just have people borrowing and spending and speculating. They want a balanced economy, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it will be interesting to see uh, uh, what he's he's going to make a keynote speech. That's what I meant. He'll yeah, make a yeah. key, keynote speech probably this weekend. I don't know when that ends. And uh, it will be interesting to see what he says. So he had the first speech. Kazakhstan had the second speech. President Xi did a video conference and another major leader did another video conference as well. So the, so it's ultimately the same BRICS nations. They're having a, just a pre-conference. Before. So yeah. And, and the U S wasn't invited. So. Uh, well, actually, uh, in 2021, a lot of Western, uh, journalists, economists, business mm-hmm. people would go to St. Petersburg. But I think now with what's going on in the Ukraine, they've kind of boycotted, um, the SPIF conference, even though they might have been invited. Yeah. So there's there's a list of all the attendees, and I was looking, and lots of nations are there, and it said the USA at the very bottom. So I don't know, you know, how much coverage, but we won't hear about it on Western media. Put it like that. So you got to go, got to go to these sources for yourself to get it. So, um, but other than that, we know what's happening. Uh, it's going to be an interesting summer. Get your weight up. Get you know, just enjoy enjoy the summer. Get your weight up. Do everything you can to uh, better yourself and to become less dependent upon the system in and of itself, whether it's a bank attack, anything, hopefully you're taking some precautionary measures, knowing that at any moment, anything can happen. So other than that, um, yeah, appreciate you guys for joining us. Hit the thumbs up button, show some love, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Same time, same place. Peace.